Hi there. Thanks again for making the time to sit with us and hopefully learn and discover some more about God and about yourself. And so if you could condense the events of Christianity into three significant events, which ones would you choose? Which which events of, of history would define who we are, what we believe, and why we do what we do. And I'd, I'd like to suggest, I can think I can think of at least three of them that are pretty fundamental. You couldn't remove any of these from who we are. Uh, two of these events, you, I'm sure you will wholeheartedly agree with. And the third one, I think you might be a little bit, well, you'll agree with me, but you might be, have some reservations regarding that. Uh, and that's the one is the topic of today's message. And so the first two, have a guess. I know you can guess them. They're the easiest ones. I'm not even going to give you bonus points if you get the first two right. The first one is Christmas. That's right. The second one is Easter. What about the third one? What about um, what I believe is, is the one that really has a massive impact on the church? And so you might be thinking the Ascension. And we talked about the Ascension last week, Jesus' Ascension. It was an incredible event where Jesus returns back to heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. The Great Commission was also another great event. And so as I said, all these are important events and they help understand us and what we do. Some would also add that the return of Jesus is another significant event. And it certainly is because the return of Jesus puts a timeline and a urgency to the message that the disciples had as they fulfilled the Great Commission. So the, the third event, because I know you are saying, Mark, just get to the third one already. The third event I'd like to suggest is the one that we celebrate today. It is, uh, it is the events of the day of Pentecost. And it's the day that occurred 50 days after the resurrection, after Easter, this Easter celebration. Uh, it occurred 10 days after Jesus returned back to heaven and when he gave the Great Commission to his disciples. And it was the day that heaven touched earth in a powerful way and God empowered and filled and did some supernatural, well, he supernaturally came and rested upon his people and the church was born. And so that's the day I want to talk about. I want to talk about the day of Pentecost. Now, one of the problems we have when we think about Pentecost is that we typically we can typically associate Pentecost with Pentecostals. Now, depending on your history or your experience of church, the day of Pentecost could really get you excited or could you get you a little bit nervous. Uh, and maybe if you've had no personal experience of Pentecost or maybe this is the first time that you've heard about it, our media has certainly made a made a good effort at trying to paint uh, Pentecostals in a, in a, with a very biased brush. Certainly from the numerous to current affair shows that have been on over the number of years. Uh, they've been trying to expose Hillsong Church and, and Brian Houston, who, uh, who is the leader of, of Hillsong, which is a Pentecostal church. Or more recently, I think it was just last year or early this year, that um, they had to go at uh, the C3 movement led by Pastor Phil Pringle. And they, they typically try to, well, they, they try to talk about them in a negative light, talking about the amount of money that they, or the, the role of finances in the church, or they describe them as a bunch of happy clappies, or uh, then they, or they could talk about this, this, this practice of speaking in tongues. Then they've got the celebrities that, that associate with Pentecostals, uh, to name a few of them, uh, Justin Bieber, 
Denzel Washington, and the third one was uh, Kanye West. More recently, just uh, has become a Christian as attending a Pentecostal church. So the media attention is quite mixed up as is wondering what Pentecostals are. And then we've got our very own first Pentecostal Prime Minister, Scott Morrison. And certainly that gave uh, some more food to the media to, to try to discredit what Christianity is. And more specifically, try to discredit what Pentecostal Christianity is. And so the word Pentecostal, perhaps another name which, which you might find less confronting, but is, is the same thing in many ways, is the term or the badge or the label charismatic. You know, well, we're not Pentecostal, but we're, we're charismatic. And maybe charismatic is that maybe you think the churches are less punchy or less black and white or more easygoing and, and flowing. You know, there's really not any difference between the focus and the foundation of the, both the Pentecostal church and the charismatic churches. Uh, they all focus on the person and the power of the Holy Spirit in a very real and tangible way that's available for us today. Uh, to help us live the life that God calls us to live. And so that's the, the foundation on both the Pentecostal church. Yeah, the Pentecostal church was um, it can be attributed to starting in the early 1900s in LA uh, and is typically known as the Azusa Street Revival in which uh, the Holy Spirit came and, and that sort of became the um, birthplace of the Assembly of God movement. Uh, and then we have the charismatic movement that that sort of has been around in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and uh, in the Catholic Church and some of the mainline churches. And John Wimber would be one of the one of the poster boys uh, for the charismatic movement. He, he led it in a very powerful way, had massive impact in the mainstream churches. And so you may be wondering this morning, Mark, why are you talking about churches? Why are you talking about movements? Why are you talking about history? Well, I'm starting there because, look, today is... Pentecost Sunday. And, but depending on your experience, your understanding of, of Pentecostals or Charismatics, your, your, your understanding has been influenced by your history. And so I started there because I don't want us to limit who the Holy Spirit is or how, how the Holy Spirit works. I don't want us to limit that by our understanding of what's happened in the last hundred years. Because we must be careful we don't approach the topic of God's Spirit with our own biases or with our own experiences or our own mindsets. While they're helpful to us, I think it's important to understand we, are, we have a very narrow snapshot of the work of the Holy Spirit. And if we do that, we're likely to miss who He is and how He's at work in us and in our church today. And so over the next few weeks, I'm going to spend some time talking and looking at the work of the Holy Spirit in, in us as believers and also us as the corporate church. And so I'll get back to my message. Today is Pentecost Sunday. It's not Pentecostal Sunday. In fact, Pentecost didn't start in the, in the 1900s in America. Although our, our typical understanding of Pentecost takes us back to the early church, 50 days after Easter, which is the day we're celebrating today, Pentecost Sunday. Although, and that's why we're associated, but the roots of Pentecost is actually an agricultural feast that goes back way back into the time when Moses would uh, take the nation of Israel and deliver them out of Egypt. So that's where Pentecost was birthed, 50 days after they were delivered from the nation of Egypt and, the, and they left Pharaoh. And so 
I, I do believe that Pentecost is essential for our understanding of the Great Commission. Not so much our understanding, we understand what we are to do. I believe Pentecost is essential for our understanding of how we are to accomplish what God calls us to do. And so I'm going to pick up from last week in Acts chapter 1, verse 1 to 2. If you missed last week's message, that's fine. Uh, you can listen to it online if you'd like to catch up, but I think you'll understand where I'm going from now. In Acts chapter 1, verse 1, Luke, who's the author of Acts, would tell us, in my first book, Theophilus, was about everything Jesus began to do and teach. So Luke is saying, in my first book, which is the book of Luke, he says, that was my first book. I began to teach you about everything Jesus said and did. And so now Luke writes his second book. Uh, and so and everything Jesus did till the day he was taken to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. And so uh, Luke here is saying, my first account was really about everything Jesus did until the Great Commission. The time when Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, gave his apostles instructions into how to change the world. And so the, the Great Commission is what we talked about last week. In Matthew 28, verse 18, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So that's our understanding of what the Great Commission is, and Matthew puts it together really well. And so last week we ended our, our service thinking about Jesus' return to heaven, where he delivered the Great Commission, and then he returned back to heaven. In fact, Ephesians gives us a fantastic glimpse of, of where and what Jesus is doing when he returned back to heaven. And it's uh, in Ephesians 1.21, after Jesus gets placed at the place of highest honor, and he is in charge of everything, running the universe, everything from galaxies to governments, no name and no power is exempt from his rule, and not just for the time being, but forever. So this is Jesus ascended back to heaven and took the place that God had ordained for him, and it was a powerful place. But before Jesus left, he gave his great commission to his disciples. That great commission was a vision that was so big and so... Uh, encompassing that would transform the world the message of the great commission was an idea and a and good news and a, not just a message about an ideology but a message about a person and that message the good news of jesus it would change billions of people around the world over history and even today billions of people have been transformed by the message of jesus christ as they've discovered forgiveness we've discovered peace and hope and joy and, and being restored back into relationship with God. Sometimes we think the great commission or the message of the gospel is about, you know, if you give your life to Jesus, then you'll have a good good life in heaven. Your future is assured. And, and whilst that is true, that your, your future is secured in God, but I believe that the great commission, the message of the great commission, is not just life eternally. It's life right now. Joy, abundant, blessed, and fulfilled life through the Holy Spirit today. So in every way, the Great Commission, it was an impossible task. It was too great. It was too large. It was too enormous for the disciples, the bunch of 12 or the 120 we'd read about in a minute. It was, how would they transform a world? You see, Jesus never expected his disciples to accomplish all that he called them to do by themselves. 
their own ideas, their own plans, their own efforts, their own strategies, they would never be enough. When Jesus gave them a great commission, Jesus had a plan for them. Jesus had a plan to make it work. And that plan was an amazing plan. It was a, a plan that wasn't an afterthought of God. God didn't go, oh man, Jesus is now oh, back in heaven or, or, or Jesus, you're here now. What are you going to do? Because those disciples need some help. It wasn't an afterthought. It, it didn't. God was very intentional about his working through Jesus and his church and his people. And so before Jesus returns to heaven, he gave the disciples a great commission. He told them to go. What I want to focus on right now is not his last command. I want to spend a little bit of time looking at his second last command. His first one was to go. First one, his last one was to go. His second last one we'll find in Luke chapter 24, verse 49. It's to stay. And Jesus in the Great Commission, Luke's version is telling us, I will send you the Holy Spirit, just as my father promised. But repeat this with me, but stay here in the city. Stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Jesus is saying, hey guys, before you go in your own efforts and try to do what I've called you to do, I want you to wait for something. There's something you need. And, that, and what you need is not found in yourselves. What you need comes from heaven. It is power from heaven. And last week we talked about all that Jesus calls each one of us to do whether it's at our parenting or our work or our studies or the businesses we lead or the schools we attend or the hospitals we work in, whatever it is that God's called us to do, wherever he's called us to be salt and light, to influence and flavor, wherever God's placed you to change and shine the love of Jesus into those places, Jesus is saying, you know what, you can't do that successfully without something from heaven. And and if he's called us to do those things, he's given us every resource to be able to do them. We need his power. And that's what Pentecost is all about. It's, it's about being filled with power. And back to verse 49. But stay here. So don't, don't, don't rush off by yourself. But wait till the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power. It wouldn't have been fair or adequate or appropriate for Jesus to give such a great commission to his disciples and go, see you guys, good luck with that, I'm out of here. That's not what happened. You know, they could not do it alone. And the reality is, what God calls us to do, we can't do alone. You know, I need, you need his strength infused into your weakness. We need his ability connected to our inability. And if you don't want to use, if you're thinking you're fine, I'll talk about me. I need his wisdom. I need his grace. I need an understanding of his authority. I, I need his counsel. I need his wisdom. I need his creativity. I need his ideas. I need Jesus. The longer I've been a Christian, the more I realize, you know what? I need Jesus. I need all that he has and all that he brings to me. And uh, his patience. Oh, I need his patience. And times I need his love. There's so much that I need from Jesus. Times I need his comfort. You know, we all need Jesus. And how good would it be if, if all of a sudden Jesus just appeared right next to us? How good would that be to have him, the living, breathing Jesus that we could talk to at any time, 
that we could ask questions. Wouldn't that be awesome that at any time we could go, hey, Jesus, what do you reckon about this? I'm struggling with my school, struggling with my friends. I'm not well. You know, my mum's not well or the situation. My, my, my family's a mess. My marriage is crazy. My, my workplace is hard. You know, wouldn't it be great if we'd have Jesus right next to us that he could go, you know, he, he can just sort it all out. And uh, I'm sure the disciples were thinking that. I'm sure the disciples thought, you know, well, Jesus, it's better that you're here with us. But what I love the passage in John chapter 16, Jesus said this. Jesus was talking to his disciples about him returning. And Jesus said, you know what? He said, 16 verse 7, he said, in fact, it's best for you that I go away. Jesus said to his disciples, you know what? It's better for you that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the advocate. Now, your Bible translation, we talk about the Holy Spirit. The advocate uh, is the one that represents you if you're at court. Not that any of you have been there or not, not too sure, but I know some of you are advocates. You've been on behalf of other people. But the advocate, in other words, is the helper, uh, the Holy Spirit, the comforter. Jesus says, if I don't go, the Holy Spirit won't come. Because when I do go, I will send him to you. Jesus is saying, if, if we had a choice between Jesus beside us or the Holy Spirit inside of us, He's saying, which is the better one? Which is the better one? Tell the person next to you, which is the better one? Jesus beside or the Holy Spirit inside? Don't tell them what you'd like. Tell them what Jesus said is best. It's best to have the Holy Spirit inside. I know you all got that right. So, so Jesus returns to heaven and gets seated at the place of honor. And according to what he just told us in John, that when he goes, he will send the gift the Father has promised. He will send the advocate. And so then we come to the day of Pentecost, which is 10 days after the ascension. And this is when the advocate, the Holy Spirit, actually came. And so on Luke, uh, sorry, Acts chapter 2, verse 1. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared on them and settled on them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. I want to pause for a minute because many people dismiss the events of Pentecost because of the verses that are around this space particularly regarding this, this concept of speaking in tongues. I want to make it very clear that the, the reason that God sent his Holy Spirit was not that his people would then be able to speak in tongues, although that's something I'd love to talk about another time, the gift that God does give us. But the purpose of Pentecost was not, well, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to give uh, the people some language. The purpose of Pentecost was to empower God's people for God's plans. The power, the purpose of Pentecost was for God's power to touch God's people to accomplish God's plans. And so in this situation, we see uh, the Holy Spirit came and the, we, knew, we know the Great Commission was to go and to make disciples of all the nations. And so when we look at the verses here, when the Holy Spirit came, it came to remember to for God's power, God's people, God's plans. What were God's plans? It was to, to tell the world about Jesus. And so that was their assignment, to preach the good news of Jesus. So in verse 5, at that time, this is after the Holy Spirit gave them the ability to speak in other languages, at that time they were devout Jews from every nation in Jerusalem. 
When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own language has been spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, yet we hear them speaking in our native languages. And there it is. There is the Holy Spirit touching God's people with power for God's plan, supernatural power, and they supernaturally had an ability to accomplish what they needed to accomplish, which to see people hear the good news of Jesus. And as I read through the book of Acts, and I'd encourage you to do this over the next few weeks, you will see the God work powerfully in people and in the church. You'll see the supernatural become natural. You'll read of signs and wonders and miracles and dreams and visions and people raised from the dead and dead uh, communities and people transformed. What an exciting time that would have been to live in. But that's not where God placed us. If God wanted you and me to live back then, he'd put have put us there. But God's placed us here in 2020 in Australia today to be filled with his spirit and to accomplish the goals and assignments he's given to each one of us. So on the day of Pentecost, the power switched from heaven. It's like God on the day of Pentecost turned the switch on and power became available to his disciples. Power for his plans, for his people. And as I read through the Bible, God's power never stopped. It's not that it, God never runs out of power. It's always available. God's power is always available then, and it's always available to us today. And that's fantastic news. And, and my challenge, and this is probably more often than I'd like to admit, there's times when I feel like, and give me a little wave if you feel like this too, there's times when you feel like you're running out of power. Anyone like that? You know, there's, it's like my computer, I can, I can, even now we're recording and the computer's disconnected from the power source. And as I look at my screen, I see my battery meter says 22% and it's red. It's saying, Mark, you are running out of power. And if I don't finish my message soon, my, my battery will run out. If I don't reconnect, it will go flat. Maybe you can relate to that. Maybe this morning you're feeling a little bit flat. Or a little bit disconnected. Disconnected from what? Disconnected from power. You're feeling a little bit powerless this morning. The situations you're facing, the circumstances in your family or at work, you're feeling powerless. I want to remind you that God never calls you to do something he's not equipped you and empowered you to accomplish. And so our problem this morning isn't a supply problem. It's not that God's going to say, well, well, Mark didn't pay his power bill and so I'm going to chop off his power. It's not that at all. The problem isn't a supply problem. Jesus paid my power bill and that gave me access to unlimited power from heaven. The problem isn't supply. The problem is my connection. And the good thing is we can do something about that. This morning, we're going to close the service in just a few moments. And we're going to close it in a way that you and I can do something about our connection problem. Because I've found the one thing that always helps me when I feel disconnected or when I feel flat one of the things that I is the greatest thing for me is when I can worship. And when you read through scripture, you see worship is a powerful tool to help us reconnect to the truth of God and the power of God. And so we're going to close with a song that uh, certainly helps me to reconnect. And for those that are thinking, oh, it's going to be Waymaker. It's not Waymaker. It's another great song. Uh, but for me, and I'm praying for you that this song, as we spend a bit of time now, is going to help each one of us just to just to maybe reconnect 
Maybe your battery's running. Maybe you're at 90%. You may not be at, I'm 19 now. Maybe, maybe you're not as low as my computer is, but maybe you're, you're feeling pretty good. I think it's important to understand that we can access permanent connection to God. And so we're going to worship. We're going to rediscover the power of Jesus, the power of his name. And I want to encourage you as we do this to uh, just, just to, uh, you don't need to sing unless you know the words, you're welcome to sing. But I'd encourage you just to listen to the words and more importantly, close your eyes and just allow yourself to plug back in. Access the power that Jesus has for you. Is that a good idea? That's a great idea. Let's pray. So Father God, I just thank you for today. I just thank you for the time I've had just to share a little bit about your Holy Spirit and the day of Pentecost. And Lord, I know we've got different backgrounds and experiences, but Lord, I pray we can put those things aside and understand that the day of Pentecost is about your presence, your power in a personal way to come and touch us and equip us and empower us to do what you've called us to do. And this morning, Lord, I pray for those that are feeling disconnected. I pray those that are feeling a little bit depleted. I just pray that as we worship together in a moment, that we will just sense your presence like the first disciples did. And Lord, that we will be charged up, that we will be filled up to overflowing as we are once again filled with your Holy Spirit through worship, through a greater understanding of who you are through your word. And so, Lord, I just pray, uh, I just declare your power just to touch in the homes across our, our church family. I pray that the power of your spirit will just come and touch. I pray that uh, even as they worship, there'll be miracles take place. I pray that bodies will be strengthened and healed. I pray for financial breakthrough, Lord. I pray for those who are relationally struggling, that they'll find some breakthrough as they reconnect back to you. Lord, for those that are struggling with their identity, maybe their, their mental health or just trying to figure out who they are in this world. Lord Jesus, I pray that an encounter with you and your power will just shine your light on who they are and who you've called them to be and your beautiful spirit, that powerful spirit you've given them and given us to accomplish that task. And we honor you and thank you this morning. Amen. Over 
anxiety To every soul held captive by depression I speak Jesus Your name is power Your name is healing Your darkness over every enemy Jesus for my family I speak the holy name Jesus shout Jesus from the mountains and Jesus in the streets Jesus in the darkness over every enemy Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus. Shout Jesus from the mountains and Jesus in the streets. Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. And Jesus for my family, I speak. Jesus 